Hi, you've just downloaded or otherwise accessed a podcast of Cross Point Church and the teaching ministry presented through our weekly Sunday morning worship. Feel free to burn a copy of this file when you're finished and pass it along to a friend you think might also benefit from the teaching. We hope you enjoy the message today, and thanks again for taking the time to visit. I know what I know. You know what you know. The thing is, all we know is not all there is to know. Sometimes we live like that. Sometimes we live like all we know is all that should be known and all there is to know, but that's not true. Because that's not true, some of us oftentimes get stuck in just what we know and wonder, what have I missed? Sometimes that comes later in life, sometimes that comes in, in our middle years, sometimes even in our, our younger years. We wonder, is there more, and what have I missed that I've not known, that I've not experienced, that, I've, that I'm ignorant to uh, or about? And uh, as we see from James chapter 4 today, if you want to turn there in your Bibles, it's where we're going to be. It's these short five verses that are rich in teaching. As we see from his word today, what we need to know is to understand what we don't know first and understand who to go to and where to find it second. So James chapter 4, verses 13 <clears throat> to 17, being stuck in the known. James 4, 13 to 17. Now listen, <clears throat> excuse me, you who say today or tomorrow we'll go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why you do not know even what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. So then, if you know the good you ought to do and don't do it, you sin. Pretty straightforward and harsh truth sometimes from the scripture, isn't it? The first thing I want us to see today from this text about the known is the known is where life is lived. It's where life is lived. Look with me again at 13 and 14. Listen, today or tomorrow, we'll go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, make money. You don't even know what will happen tomorrow. He says, what is your life? A mist and a vapor. Tomorrow we'll go to this city and do this or that. James is describing a fairly fairly ordinary life here in, this, in verse 13, uh, talking about establishing a home, getting a job, making money, living life. And on the surface, is there anything wrong with that? Absolutely not. There's nothing wrong with living life, having a job, making money, paying bills, those, those kinds of things. But the problem is, is that that's where many of us stop, thinking that once we've arrived at that place, at that status, at that position, that that's all there is. And, and I, I would submit to you that the reason we stop there is because that's all we know, in part, perhaps, because that's all we've seen. And that may be, in, 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 from family to family, multi-generational. Uh, it, it was not unusual years ago for a farmer to raise a farmer's son, and that farmer's son to raise another farmer's son, and that farmer's son, it just went on multi-generationally. That happens less now than it used to, but, but there are oftentimes uh, sons and daughters of cops going to law enforcement, Sons and daughters of firefighters go into firefighting. Sons and daughters of, of bankers go into banking. That, that still happens to, to, to some degree, but not to the degree that it used to. But we, we, we become mirrors and models <clears throat> of the things we've seen and experienced and known from how we were raised and how we were brought, how we were brought up. So consequently, 
We think that when, when we've arrived at that dream job in that dream house with 2.5 kids <clears throat> and enough toys to enjoy <clears throat> that we've, we've finally found our, our place at, a, at a, uh, an arrival point. But the reality is that's not all there is to know and that's not all there is to see and do. That's, that's simply what we know. Verse 14. <clears throat> Excuse me just a second. Now, verse 14 pulls back the curtain on another concept here too. It says, what is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. You're mist. What's he talking about? He's talking about you are wiser to look at your life, look at what you do, the things you, the decisions you make, the places you choose to live, the people you choose to marry, the kids you have, your world. You're wiser to look at that world through a longer, much longer lens. In fact, through an eternal lens. And looking through an eternal lens, our life is, is what he's describing. You're a mist. Another translation says a vapor that appears for a split second and is gone as quickly as it appeared. He's saying in an eternal sense, that's what your life should look like to you. And so we should put, consequently, should put less emphasis on the here and now and more emphasis on the hereafter. If we'll learn to look at life through a longer lens, we'll start to see the importance or less of the, the decisions we make and the plans we make that are certainly uh, ours instead of God's. So he's, he's saying here, if you'll look at life through that worldview, through that lens, a longer lens, you'll see that your plans for going to that city tomorrow and engaging in business and making money, your plans for yourself are not near as important as God's plans for you. Because his plans for you are for, for your life to have an eternal dividend, an eternal impact, make an eternal difference, and not just one that's here. The known is where life is lived. Secondly, the known is where plans are made. Look at verse 16. The known is where plans are made. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. You boast in your arrogant schemes. So we need to begin here by saying, are plans bad things? Absolutely not. Plans aren't evil. They're not wrong. Uh, it's just that when we make plans that have little to no regard for the, the eternal things, that's where it becomes bad. So are they evil? No. Are they selfish? Perhaps. Are they short-sighted when we make our own plans? Most of the time they are. Uh, in fact, about all the time they are. Most of, most of our plans are fairly short-sighted. When the vast majority, consider this with me, when the vast majority of your assets, your acquisitions, the things you've acquired, when the vast majority of those things are tangible, things you can touch, in all likelihood, you're living out your own will for your life instead of God's will for your life. Don't miss that. It's pivotal. When, 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 the, when the, some total of your acquisitions and your assets are things you can get your hands on, your hands around, in all likelihood, you're living out your will for your life, your plans for your life, as opposed to God's. Now, is it, is it against God's will for you to have things? Absolutely not. But when that's the sum total of our life, if it can be summed up in what we own, what we put our hands on, there's a real good chance that our will is preeminent over God's will if we're even considering his will at all. The results of a, of a spiritual, of an internal, of, of heavenly acquisitions are, are, are seen and tangible too, but in a much different way. Uh, those kinds of folks make different plans for their lives than, than, than others uh, who are more self-consumed make. 
They live in neighborhoods too. They have jobs too. They have kids too. They have cars too. They have homes too. But those things are vehicles or tools for God to use in their life to bring glory to himself and not to them. Are used to, to point someone else to Christ at the blessings of God in your life as opposed to them seeing the blessings of your life or at your own hand and from your own work. So it, it all depends on our motivation for why we have what we have and where we live, where we live and the decisions we make and those kinds of things. Uh, we, are, we are looking through an eternal lens leading to hopefully a much different arrival point, a much different end, end than seeking our own will and our own plans. But the known is where life is lived and where plans are made. Thirdly, the known has to be expanded. The known has to be expanded. Look at verse 15. It says, instead you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. It's the Lord's will. Now, in order for the known to be expanded, we've got to first of all come to grips with the fact that we don't know everything. In order for what we know, in order for us to admit that there's more than what I know and more than what I've experienced, more than what I've lived, I've got to come to, come to this hard truth of the fact that I don't know everything. I've not experienced everything. In fact, I probably know very little, much, much less than I thought I knew about life. The more I learn, let me tell you this. I've been a student of this book for 50 plus years, seriously, for 50 plus years. And it's, it continues to surprise me. I continue to be amazed at nugget after nugget after nugget of truth. God just pours out of it. What a book. And I found out consequently how little I know about it, having studied it for these many years. Um, I still feel like a baby as I stick my face into it. Uh, if our starting point, though, is to, is to come to grips with the fact that I don't know all there is to know, and I've not experienced all there is to experience, that's a healthy starting point because it tells me, it should tell us, if what I don't know is spiritual, if what I don't know is eternal, if, 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 the, things, if the things that I live from and make decisions from and process life from are things, as I say, that I get my hands around, a job, a marriage, a home, a, a car, if those, if those are the things that I'm seeking from what I don't know, I'm on the wrong path. But if I come to grips with the fact that I don't know everything and perhaps what I don't know is spiritual, Perhaps what I don't know isn't tangible anymore. Perhaps what I don't know can't be seen with the naked eye anymore. Perhaps the things that I don't know are eternal things instead of temporal things, instead of physical things. Then, then my hunger should, for those things should naturally grow out of what I don't know. I should develop a hunger for the things that I don't know, that, that I, I've come to grips with the fact that I don't. That starting point is, is, a, is a great place to begin to discover and understand God's will for your life. There's one pivotal principle in understanding God's will for your life, and it's this, control. That's a pivotal principle in understanding and, and yielding to God's will. It, and that says, where is the control? Is it with me? Is it with my wife? Is it with the two of us? Is it with the Lord? Is it with some kind of negotiated compromise of all three of those places? Where does the control lie? Because wherever the control lies, there's your challenge in seeing and understanding God's will. If I'm making every decision, I, I don't consult God's plan and design for me or his word or his spirit. But I feel like, and, and nothing evil around that you understand, but you just don't understand God's will when you seek it that way. 
if, if it's all on, on my own smarts and my own sense and my, and my own experience, then I never, I seldom see God's will for my life. But if, if the control is willing to be laid down uh, and yielded to him, we'll start to be in a healthier place of understanding what his will is, what his, what his plans and his ways are. Um, that's usually found in a, in a balance of solitude and service. Turn if you will to Philippians uh, chapter 2. And I want you to see a couple of verses, <clears throat> excuse me, in Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13 together in this idea of finding God's will and working it out in our life. Therefore, my friends, Philippians 2.12, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence. Listen to this. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. In essence, continue to put your salvation to work. It's not that it's works-based. It's that you work it out. You put it to work. You, you, you sample test it. You try it. You, you breathe it into, into life situations. Continue to work out your, your salvation with fear and trembling for, watch this, it is God who works in you to will and to act to fulfill his good purpose. God at work in you to fulfill his good purpose. How do we get to his good purpose? We put our salvation to work, meaning... We, we test those things that we believe could be God's will for our life. As I say, this balance of solitude and service is a key balance because we need to find enough solitude, enough quiet place, enough, enough of a, an away from life, away from life situations and, and stresses. We need to find that place, whether it's at home for you or in a, in a car for you or on your porch for you or mowing grass for you or wherever that place of solitude is. Find that place to listen to the Spirit of God speak to your heart about the truth that you already know and then give you the courage and the, and the urgency to move into the truth that you don't. It's this balance, this balance of solitude and service of listening and sampling, of, of, of hearing the Spirit of God, seeing the Word of God, putting those things to the test in, in life situations to see, is God in this? Is He blessing me? Is He following me? Is it, do, I, do I sense this? When we start to put those things into practice, to work out, put our salvation to work, we start to see the hand of God either be removed from that. Okay, I get it. I don't see you anywhere. I need to move in a different direction. Or begin to bless that, that to where <clears throat> we start to find things that money can't buy. We start to find a sense of peace that we were searching for. We start to find a sense of fulfillment that we were searching for. Start to find a sense of drive and motivation that we were searching for. And those things are found in finding the will of God. And the will of God is found in yielding control and in walking forward in this balance of solitude and service, of listening, hearing, and yet testing and moving and sampling on the other, on the, on the other side. So if wherever you are in that balance, uh, it's, don't, don't miss the other side of it. Don't miss the solitude for the service. Don't miss the service for the solitude. But it's a balance of those things. So that begs the question then, Am I seeking out his word and listening to his spirit as I seek and search for his will for my life? Can't be found without those two things. Am I seeking out his word and listening to his spirit as I go toward this, this trial and error journey of finding God's will and, and design and plan for my life? What I know has to be expanded. It's expanded in, in understanding his will and I get there, yielding control, searching the scripture, listening to his spirit and testing those things on a regular basis. The known is where life is lived. It's where plans are made and has to be expanded. Finally, the known holds us accountable. It holds us accountable. Look at verse 17. It says, so then if you know the good you ought to do and don't do it, you sin. 
If you know the good you ought to do and don't do it, you sin. In essence, he's saying, now that you know better, now that you know there's more than what you've known, you're accountable for what you know. And so, thanks for coming today. You're now accountable to know there's more. You're walking out with greater accountability than you came in with because you know that there, you, you've not reached an arrival point, that there's more to know than you've known. Most of us think that we want the boss's job until we get the boss's job and figure out what was I then thinking when I wanted the boss's job because there's greater accountability with the boss's job than you ever dreamed about. So we, we, we find the wisdom of staying in the place we were sometimes. Uh, and that's sadly how many believers stay in the same old, same old, expecting a different result is we, we, we know the good we ought to do and don't do the good we already know. And that's why often for many, many Christ followers, ignorance is bliss. And that, that kind of rings true sometimes. I know Jesus is my savior. I know my heaven ticket is punched, so I'm good. And that's where most believers live the total existence of their life. I know Christ. I'm going to heaven. I'm good. Until you read passages of scripture like this that lets you know there's a lot more to know than I've experienced. There's a lot more to him than I've ever seen before. And my life could be lived in abundance, in abundance, in spiritual abundance, as opposed to just mediocrity, if I understand what those things are. Uh, here's, it's, it's, we need to understand that, that, that accountability is, is a choice we make. We're choosing to, if we move to a deeper place, that, that accountability has to follow. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 5 is another place I want us to take it real quick if you want to turn there. Second Corinthians 5, verses 9 and 10 talk to this a little bit, it says, uh, so we make our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from him. For we must all, watch this, we must all, and he's writing, writing to believers here, Paul is, at Corinth, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive what is due them for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. So he speaks here to this beam of judgment, this judgment of believers, the judgment, not the great white throne judgment of you're in or out but the reward judgment of believers uh, for, for the things that he says that, that we, whether we've done, whether good or bad. So in essence, you're going to stand before the Lord one of these days and, and be accountable to him for the very things that I talked about. Did you yield control of your life to me or was it all about you? Did you seek and search out my will for your life or was it all about your own will, what you wanted for yourself? Did you find yourself at a point of arrival when you had the dream house, the dream car, the dream job, the 2.5 kids that or did you realize there's more to life than this? And did you seek that out, seek me out to try and find it? Uh, it's, it's, it can be a challenge to get unstuck from what we've known. Because as I say, that's all we've known. But for some, that's a pursuit about what they don't know. For others, it's a pursuit of putting what you know already to, to, to give hands and feet to the things you already do know. And so whether you're here today and you think, well, I didn't know that. And in looking at James 4, I didn't know that God's got a will and plan and design for my life. And not knowing it, I'm going to be accountable for not knowing it. If I now realize that there's more and I do nothing with understanding that there's more. If I, if I look at James 4 and say, okay, I'm still good with, with salvation and the heaven ticket and eternity. I'm good to kind of stay in mediocrity the rest of my life and navigate these waters. Now that you know there's more than that, you're accountable to know more than that and put those things into practice. For others, it's not about discovering what I didn't know. For others, it's about putting to practice what I already do know. And I would dare say that probably for most of us in this room, 
Most of us in this room have been, have been believers long, far long enough to make a greater impact in our culture than we're making. It's a matter of our putting to, into practice the things we already do know about this book, the things we have already heard about from his, his spirit speaking to us, the things we've already gleaned from him, from him in worship, from him in, in walking together and doing life with believers in a, in a church and a family of God. We know more than, than we're putting into practice. Far, far many of us, uh, that's where par, probably the vast majority of us land, is that we know more than we're living out. That's where I land, I'll tell you that right now. I'm, I'm not living out half of what I know. But that's, that's where we need to come to grips with today is, is, is my, was my problem naivety? And now I, can, I cannot be naive anymore because James 4 has told me I can't. Or it's my problem in application, what I already do know. I, do, I know enough to make a greater change and be a greater difference than I've been, and I'm, I've not done that. So a couple of stark observations as we wrap up, and they're this. If you're stuck in the known, and that's all you've known, I want you to hear unequivocally, there's more. If you're stuck in all you've known, that's all you've known, that's still all you know today, I want you to hear quickly from me that there's more. Now, maybe the more is relationship to begin with. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, that's your more. <laughs> You've got to know him as your Savior in, in relationship with him. Beyond that relationship, we, we grow into fellowship. That fellowship begins to grow into, grows into more, becoming intimacy. Then more from intima, in, intimacy looks like maturity. Then more from, from a, a mature walk with him looks like a sense of peace that you're living with, understanding your, your surroundings don't apply to your world. Then more beyond peace is a sense of wisdom that he gives you from walking in those places, seeing his hand and putting that, th those things to work. Then more from wisdom looks like fruitfulness. My life starts to count. It starts to matter for eternity. My, my, my story is starting to be contagious and starting to be told because I've, got, I've told it with several successes and, and God's starting to bless my story being told of what he's done in my life can do in yours. And my life starts to bear fruit. I start to find a place of service that, that fills me and, fu and fulfills me. Then out of that... Uh, fruitfulness becomes abundance. I'm come that you might have life and have it to the fullest, the scripture says, living in, a, in an abundant place. So if you're stuck in the known and that's all you know, well, you know there's more. Secondly, if you know there's more and you're still stuck, what are you waiting on? If you know there's more and you've been aware that there's more for years, perhaps decades, and you're still in the same place spiritually, still, still at the same level of maturity, what are you waiting on to step into deeper water? What are you waiting on to take greater risk? What are you waiting on to, to, to increase your sample size of your worldview, being, your, your story being told to those in your world? What are you waiting on? If you know there's more and we're not doing the, anything with it. If you're waiting on a formal invitation, here it is. You just heard it today. If you're waiting on another revelation, it's in here too. The last great revelation. Now, God may reveal things specifically to you by his spirit, but revelation to the church, revelation to us globally, this is the last great revelation. It ends this book. So if you're looking at an invitation or revelation, they're both contained in that book. Read it, stick your face in it, and let's start to walk out the things we already know. Let's start to put them into practice. We'll start to see God change our life and our world around us if we do. Let's pray. Father, today we're here in, in total transparency to say we don't know half what we think we know, most of us. And as your Spirit speaks these truths to us today from your word from James 4, 
we must come to grips with the fact that um, there is more. In fact, there is so much more than we've ever seen, seen or can imagine. And here we are today finding ourselves coming to grips with the fact that knowing that, we have to find ourselves in a place of accountability with you. That we're going to answer to you for the things we know and didn't put into practice. Or the things we didn't know and didn't search out. So today will you remind us that life is, is, it, it is indeed a mist. It's a vapor. It's here for, for a brief moment and it's gone. Remind us of that truth today. And that the things we say and do here need to matter for there. Our lives need to be beyond just this place into that place. Help us to understand the value of that in, the, in working that into conversations, making decisions about family, about job, about work, about world, in, in light of those truths, and laying down control of who we are and what we have, giving that to you. Help us move to that place in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to today's message from Cross Point Church, helping people navigate the journey toward an authentic, biblical, and contagious walk with Christ.